P90s are acceptable. Vectors are loved in America for some reason. That's actually where my name came from. So my name is Chris. No, wait, wait. So your name Vector. Yes. It's not about geometry. Because here I am thinking you're like some geometry nerd. You just love angles. Wait, <laughs> but you're an airsoft player that named themselves after an airsoft gun? After a real gun. And then I was like, oh, it's, a, it's an airsoft gun. So, so my it's name not was geometry. No, it's not geometry. You can stop uh, gas now. Homeschool. Oh, just <laughs> this is going to be the whole selling point of all your videos. Idiot homeschooler talks about airsoft. Don't it is now. Like that. Like that <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's that thumbnail writes itself. You're listening to the Defro Airsoft Podcast. Hosted by Stuart Rowe. Meet the legend. Meet the legend. This episode is brought to you by Hefe's Airsoft Solutions. Use code DEFRO10 at checkout. Hey everyone, I'm Stuart Rowe. Welcome to the DEFRO podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Callsign Vector. Thanks for joining us today, man. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. All right, man. So tell me all about yourself. Where did you grow up? You look like someone who has gone to a public school. Nah, dude, I have actually, I've been homeschooled my entire life, so I'm kind of the oddball of oddballs. <laughs> um, uh, so it was like, I went to public school, or I went to private school one year, but we don't talk about that. Um, yeah, so I grew up in backwoods, Tennessee, like Nashville area, but in kind of the hood, but there was woods near me. So I grew up in the woods, playing in the woods, doing, learning about history, like I, I started with the Revolutionary War. Um, and then I moved my way up to World War II because that was way more interesting. And then just from there to common to the current times. And so it's just like I was in the woods and I'd be fake reloading a stick, which was an M249 saw of at course. like at like seven. And so it's just natural that I just kind of, you know, found out about airsoft. I found out about airsoft at 11 when I went to a birthday party. I'd never heard of it. I knew what paintball was. Everybody knows what paintball is. Um, and... I went to a friend's birthday party and I got, I got destroyed over and over and over again. But once I found out that I could shoot at other people without going to jail, I was like, <laughs> I gotta do this. I gotta do this. Yeah, that, that's like the main draw for me for airsoft is being able to shoot other people. And like you're the, like, I can cause you pain, you can cause me pain, but at the end of the day, nobody's really actually hurt. Yeah. And like you see like uh, people that practice real steel will say all the time, it's like, you know, real steel is better. It's like, you know, if airsoft, like you don't get the real, real coil, recoil and stuff like that. It's like, well, that's true. But, you know, paper doesn't shoot back. So when you're playing airsoft, you're playing against other humans, you know, ideally. And you need to problem solve in order to kill people. Like you need to trick people. Uh, you need to, to bait people. You need to intimidate them. There's You need to predict their movements. You need to coordinate on comms. There's so many things that you need to do to, you know, kick people's ass. And if you're just a really good shot, you know, you're not going to do very well. Well, I can say as an airsofter learning the, like, I, I live in a jurisdiction where you can't own firearms. That's not the same for every airsofter. And going to the range recently, I can say that, yes, being the dry fire repetitions, the reload repetitions, they help you with real steel. 
100%. It's definitely like a level of transferable skills. It's not yes. 100% transferable, yes. no. but there no. is definitely some transferable skills. Definitely. Yeah, I noticed that like uh, I'm in Japan, so I don't have real guns, but I got to go to uh, Guam a few years ago and they got shooting ranges there. And yeah, I just rocked up to the shooting range. I just gave the guy a wad of cash and said, just let me shoot everything here. And he's like, all right. So I, I got to use like an M16. There was some Magnum revolvers. There was a 1911. There was a Glock shotgun. It was a nice selection of guns. And I was just shocked at how easy it all was. It's like, oh, it's the same as airsoft. Just do this. Oh, the blowback's about the same. Like, especially like the M16. No blowback. The M16, no kick. The M16 is about the same. But like when it's you get the, the pistols. Same. Pistols were so different. The, pistols are so different. So different. Shotguns, shotguns are a lot different. <laughs> Yeah, depending on the load and stuff. But depending on the load, yeah. I was yet yeah, I was just shocked at the M16 because it was nothing. But yeah, the oh, yeah. the pistols, especially the 1911 shooting 45, was very hard to control. But yes. yeah, uh, the Magnum was the Magnum revolver was just impossible and it just hurt my hands. But yeah, M16 for days. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, man. So well, you've already told me about how you got into airsoft. So. I heard that you're a ref uh, for the fields that you play at. What's it like being a ref? Being a ref is interesting because you get to see a lot of the things, the really cool things. Like, you know, not everybody's got a camera strapped to them, even in this day and age. And so I get to watch a lot of really cool pushes. Um, There was one time we were playing like an objective game. I love objective games because it pushes the flow of the gameplay, makes it easier to ref. And I watched a little girl. She just had an HP tap pistol. It was her older brother. She was just sitting there near the objective. And I watched a guy look at her. And he's like, are you on my team? And she's like, no. And he's <laughs> like, am I going to shoot you? And she's like, no. And she's like, and you're not going to shoot me? And she's like, no. And so she just sat there guarding a corner while he took the objective and won the game. <laughs> and it was so funny. That's cute. Older brother, her older brother came up to me. And she's like, you were right there. And he was like. I told him I wasn't going to shoot him and he wasn't going to shoot me either. So we're good. And I was just like, yeah. And it's just like facilitating moments like that, facilitating the community is what merely makes refing fun for me. I don't get paid most of the time. I, I am a volunteer referee at the field. I, I ref at, and I still strive for professionalism, even though I'm not getting paid. I strive to solve conflict, which is rare, but can occur. Um, and I strive to make the games less dry and repetitive for the people who are there every weekend. Because we have regulars. We have people who are there almost every weekend that we are open. Unless there's an event being hosted there. And then, like, I've been command staff at events. And I've been a ref at Millsims before, too. So, yeah. Okay. So That's I, completely different. So just to ask, if you were in that situation where they had that little girl and you realized she was on the other team, would you have shot her? The correct, no a- the correct answer is yes. You PID and yes. you shoot. Yes. The correct <laughs> answer is yes. However, I would have offered her a bang out as a courtesy. Like as a little kid who's getting into Aristotle, who's obviously not using her own gear. Part of our part of our culture is we're kind of abusive to rental sometimes. No. And I Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. You've seen any video out of America. Bruh, look at that rental over there. He's so stupid. I'm going to turn my, my uh, 5,000 RPS gun on full auto and just give him a little spray and pray. 
That's like every video that blows up on mainstream is like someone just being a complete jerk. Well, like, and that's the culture we facilitate, and I'm trying to counteract that. So I would have offered her, personally, I would have offered her bang out. If she started to raise her gun, I would have shot her, preferably in the plate carrier or vest. But it's a game where we shoot people. You sign a waiver so you can get shot You're not shot doing at. the Mozambique drill? Say that one? You're not doing the one. Mozambique drill? You do I don't. two in the chest and then one in the head? The... <laughs> El Presidente, just yeah. like from the hip. No, you, you for that situation, like if if there's a child and you're not able to like surrender them, like basically stealth kill them, you, you're doing yeah. something wrong. Like you need to be able to sneak up behind them and you're like, give them a little tap, you're out. Yeah. Um, that you could have totally just reached over there and tapped her and just be like, hey, you're out. I'm not going to shoot you because we're uh, really close, but you are dead. In in Japan, she's getting shot. Uh, we, we we have but you no... guys have lower FPS limits. You lower guys FPS have one jewel. and there's no bang bang rule. Like you have to eliminate people by shooting them. So uh, we don't normally play with kids because you have to be 18 year old, 18 years old to play airsoft. But there's this great little rule that I just love. Is we have two kinds of airsoft guns in Japan. There's 18 plus and 12 plus, and the 12 plus shoot at like a third of a jewel and they shoot 0.12 BBs. And they're just for 10-year-old kids. They're plastic. They're also uh, one-third smaller than a regular gun. So, you know, use your imagination. So if we're shooting at uh, 100 meters per second, which for you would be 300 uh, FPS, these mm-hmm. things are shooting at about 150 FPS. Oh, it sounds like a nerf. Basically, I... it's it's borderline nerf. But I here's hate... the rule. Nerf was... A thing for me early on and uh, another reason i switched to airsoft is because performance upgrades do not exist for nerf oh, as your person they, not really they're coming out now like there's a few companies like in china especially that are making some really cool parts for nerf but it's honestly just not as cool so airsoft is just way 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 uh cooler but to go back to the the story like with kids kids can play airsoft in japan against adults but they have to use the kids guns oh no but we don't so i I remember for this one game we were playing it was like a hundred on a hundred game was this giant game and these kids dropped up because it was their birthday party and they wanted to play and like me and my team were just like look it's like this isn't gonna end well it's like what guns are they gonna get it's like oh yep they're getting the kids guns and the whole family got the kids guns even the adults got it because it was just part of the rental package and the first oh, no. thing one of my team members said is like, God, I hope they're not on our team because I want to shoot those kids. And like that was <laughs> that was everyone's reaction was like, hey, they're smaller targets. Like, <laughs> hey, they move a little faster. Let me work on my tracking real quick. But check it out. The the kids actually did a really good job. So the one of the kids yeah. was on my team and he hid in the base during like a capture the flag flag game. Yeah. He was so small. He was able to hide behind the shipping container and like duck all the way down. You couldn't see him. And then the like three or four enemies tried to storm the base. I took out one of them. And then like as those guys are coming up, like I'm like, Shh, just like stay here. And he's like, all right. And then he's just, I slowly walked so I could like observe the encounter. These guys got all the way into the base. They didn't see the little kid. He pops out with his little kid gun on full auto, lights them both up and protects the flag i was like chef's gifts that's just mwah, fantastic you got owned by a 12 year old with a yeah. garbage gun yeah uh, that's that's a lot of interactions in indoor fields is like you got a crazy 
it's seven. I think seven's the legal minimum to play. Um, like in an most places. Or... By age. So like age, you have to be seven age, years okay. old. You have to be seven years old to play at any field in America, I think is the bottom line. Six in private or whatever. But um, that no, is you'll, just have so crazy. <laughs> you'll have seven-year-olds. Um, I had a seven-year-old. I was playing open play the other day um, for like a spring break at an indoor arena. And we had a bunch of adult guys come in as rentals. We tore them up. Um, and then they played only private games for the rest of the day. And they invited some of us back to play with them to get a little competition. That was fun. But I remember there was a seven-year-old with a rental. Rentals are terrifying to me. Because it's like it's like messing around with a Thunderbeat. They're unpredictable. And they will go off on you. At any time once you pull their pen. So once you give that little kid... A 300 round mag and a Lancer Gen 3 with a decent trigger. He took a flag by himself. This seven year old kid ran in and was just ripping them up. It was his first time playing. And they don't have fear yet. Yeah. And I was just like, that kid's going to be drinking Mountain Dew and wearing a Die I 4 in a few years. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> but like the, the other thing with rentals is like they get so much adrenaline when they start to play that they don't feel anything. Like I've drowned some like um rentals before in BBs and they just they're just immune to them. I shrug them off. It's so out. I mean like oh. if this was like well the thing is is like I'll be playing video games, you know, and I'll be messing around with flamethrowers. I'm like I'll flamethrow a door and then I'll run in and I'm like Oh, right. These don't suffocate everybody in the building. I got to put them on fire. Dang it. It's like stuff like that with realism and the mix between realism and it being a fake sport is you're just like, I shot you. You're dead. Yeah. And like, I, I'm fine with the, the, well, what do we call it? Trades. So like, basically, if you, we, we have like quite a long trade rule in Japan. It's, it's about three seconds. It's not officially three seconds, but it feels like three seconds. Where, like, if you shoot someone uh, and they shoot you back, you're both out. It's not American rules where it's the first person that... Sh the, the first person eliminated, then their bullets don't do anything. Uh, no. Um, most of the time, most fields, the way refs... The way the field rules say versus the way refs decide to rule it is a little bit different because refs have leeway. Um, and so most of the time when there's an argument on trade, I'm like, did you both get shot? And if they say yes, then I'm like, then you're both out. You That's both how it got, works. You both got hit. Um, I'm like, and, but if the guy says, one of the guys, like we've had honest players before, we're like, well, I shot him after I got hit. And I was like, well, thank you for being honest. You are out. He is not. Please go back and play. Yeah, I oh, appreciate that's fine. that like, kind of honesty from players. I really wish we'd see more of that. Like I do that. So like sometimes when you get shot, um, you got so much adrenaline that you just react. So I remember yes. like someone shooting me and like as soon as like I saw the BB, I shot, but then I got hit and then, you know, I hit him. But I was like, no, nah, man, you got me first. So, you know, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, or I've had like someone shoot me and they're like, what was that? And then like shoot them. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Uh, I'm out. You're good. But basically in Japan, if you have a frontal uh, trade, you're both out. Yeah. Uh, if I shoot you and you shoot me, we both see each other, you're both out. Uh, the mm -hmm. only way to eliminate people is get them in the side, get them in the back, get them at range. But if it's like two to three meters and you're both doing a frontal assault, especially if someone is rushing, you're both out. Yeah. There's, there's almost no way, unless the person's gun is down, but yeah. it, it's not. If they've shot you, uh, 
You both well, like out the, and well, like that's where bang bang rules are annoying for most people in America. Yeah. Because of Hate insurance bang, bang purposes, rules. for insurance purposes, bang bang is usually within ten feet. Um, and insurance so, is that insurance the reason? Insurance purposes, yes, not really? gameplay purposes. Mostly insurance. Insurance is cheaper if you have a bang out rule. Um, Interesting. I wonder if that comes down comes back from paintball or something like that. There's well, paintball has lower FPS, but it's a bigger projectile. So I I can't really speak to that as I've never played paintball. But it, um, it seems so strange for a a company to have that rule based on they, airsoft when airsoft well, is like such a new thing. Basically, outdoor recreational company is like people who insure summer camps, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When there's when there's activities like that, they like if you institute a bang rule. From when I I've, I've talked to multiple arena owners, multiple field owners, they're like, yeah, instituting a bang out will save you money on insurance um, because the insurance company believes it's less likely to result in physical injury from fighting or whatnot. And there's there's a degree of truth to that, but at the same time, at a field with a bang out, um, there's a lot of fights involving bang outs. Yeah, and because it's lame. Accept, you do not have to accept bang outs is the field rule. Oh, he each, says, field, each field is different. So, some each field fields, is different, yes. You can challenge other fields you don't need to challenge, and the problem is the variability. Like, yes. if there was mm. just one rule around the world which is how airsoft was played oh it'd be fantastic but every field in japan is ricochets or no ricochets is our problem here half the fields do ricochets half don't you get hit you're dead that's that's my i don't care if it was a ricochet you're dead if a bullet ricochets off like like in a real in a real combat situation if you're riding a wall bullets travel up walls like they will ride the side of a wall you'll get hit its velocity will actually increase because it's picking up traction. So you're gonna get you're gonna get hit even harder. So I feel like if a bullet ricochets off of a wall, yes, BBs are round objects and they ricochet. But for the most part, I feel like ricochets should count. It, it depends on the argument because then you can say, well, yeah. I think armor should count. So th there no. has there has to be yeah. a, a a a line in the sand that you draw. I don't care where that line is. I just want everyone to use the same line. That's it. That would be so nice. I'd be so nice. And then there's other, like, some, some like, California, which is the airsoft central of the U.S., California and Texas, um, they have FPS limits that are regulated. And, like, no other state in the United States oh, has yeah, that. Yeah, other yeah, states I've noticed require that. you to have, like, I think New Jersey requires you to have, like, an orange grip, an orange slide to be legal to use in New Jersey. There are no um, airsoft replicas or air guns that are not completely orange with an orange tip allowed in New York City. So it's like, the, the, since the United States is 50 states, so they're each a mini country under one big letterhead, there's a bunch of different regulations. And so like traveling with airsoft, possible, but if you land in the wrong state, you're screwed. So it's just like, it's crazy. It's really hard well, to regulate airsoft well, in the just, US. Just to comment on that, because I got friends in New York that play, um, you know, don't quote me on really anything, but I think the the issue is like, you're not allowed to sell a gun that doesn't have the markings that you described. But I think that if you modify the gun yourself, it's okay because- You cannot sell a gun. A, a, yeah, you're correct. A business- an incorporated business cannot sell a replica firearm without an orange tip on it during shipping. 
Yeah. Then once it's shipped to the consumer, pending state and local, um, pending state and local agreement, you can remove the ownership. So in most states that most airsoft is heavily used, such as California, you can remove the orange ship and put something else on it, like a mobile yeah. device, a tracer. Yeah. But do not show that gun in public. If you display an airsoft gun in public, it will be treated as a hostile yeah. encounter yeah, you, by police. Yeah, of course. And I'm never use airsoft guns. Well. Yeah. And so, like, I hear about, like, you know, oh, we went to a local park and played airsoft. I'm like, you no. are lucky to be alive in the climate we live in in the U.S. Yeah, I was talking about this with another guest, but basically street games were a thing 20 years no. ago. And uh, you've got, like, different countries. Like, Brazil's got some really cool stuff that they do. Apparently, there's, like, a whole city block that they close down, like, for a, a week or so each year, and they hold a whole um urban airsoft thing which is just but incredible it's, but it's intentional it's not oh, just it, it is now yo i'm gonna show up <laughs> yeah okay okay but you know like it's not like in like i lived in the hood and some people had airsoft guns and they'd be like yo i'm gonna show up with my glock and i'm gonna cap my buddy and i'm just like you're gonna get shot by a police officer who thinks you're initiating a gang fight yeah and that's that's been instances like i live in Central Florida. Now I used to live in Nashville area. Is that the Tennessee. one where Florida Man lives? We keep yes, hearing about Florida him. Man, Florida Man. Okay, so Florida Man is kind of a name for any dumb person in Florida who does some dumb, whacked up crap. So you know, it's not Florida just one Man, guy doing all these it's amazing things. It's not just one guy. It's not just one guy. It's a bunch of different guys. And so, like, if I could have my my own Florida Man article, it would be Florida Man defeats alligator or something dumb like that like florida man fights alligator and wins or something because like those are like i've like... already seen that like twice you have to do something more original like fights three alligators naked yeah. something like that like <laughs> that's track one no, alligator but... isn't even headline worthy but how about not doing it high on crystal meth no i think you need the meth you could use Dang. bath salts they're they're pretty popular in florida right here <laughs> yeah yeah, we we barely have any drugs in Japan, so everything's like funny to us when we see it on yes. TV. <laughs> yeah. And now for a commercial break. Are you looking for a company that puts the community first? Look no further than Hefe's Airsoft Solutions. The founding principle of Hefe's Airsoft Solutions is to offer a way for players of all types to get the greatest experience possible. Their passion is making a difference in local communities and serving each of their customers with the utmost respect. Become part of the conversation by joining hundreds of fellow airsofters in the Discord server. There, you can find out about upcoming events, sales, giveaways, and more. Join us today and start enjoying all that Hefe's Airsoft Solutions has to offer. Together, we can make a difference in our community. And for listeners of the podcast, tap into the power of the code DEFRO10 and save 10% on your next purchase at hefe'sairsoftsolutions.com. Some exclusions apply. The more you use the code, the more it helps the podcast. Okay, back to the podcast. All right, man. Next question. So I hear you also are quite into like cosplaying and LARPing and stuff like that. What's great about LARPing? So I'm getting into LARPing and cosplaying, but I love it. Um, so there's this guy I know. Um, he is a Fallout LARPer um, and cosplayer, and he got me onto it. So he's, he's like falling out with all of his friends or something? No, no, no. Fault, like the video game. Like Fallout seventy six, Fallout yeah, one, I two, know. three, four. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. just for just for, <laughs> just for the audience. Um, 
but anyway, no, he's a Fallout fan, and he's got like a Vault Dwellers loadout. He's got a Tarkov Scav loadout where he's got like a. Do you know what IKEA is? I do. Yes. Okay, so he's got like an IKEA bag plate, like chest ring that's like sewn yeah, from an IKEA one of my, bag. One of my friends and, has that. They're actually selling it online. I've met two people now that have it. Like, I saw someone on um, Airsoft to Sam's Instagram that was also rocking it. So I thought it was custom made. But it seems like someone is selling them now because I've seen three now in three countries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's like, you know, I mean, like, and then there's the guild, um, which is a very, they're Mandalorian cosplayers. Before the Mandalorian was a show, they were just based off of Boba Fett making Mandalorian armor for Airsoft. So I'm probably going to go to this um, Fallout event, like a Wasteland Fallout event based on the Fallout video games. The guild's going to be there. We're going to have the NCR, the North Carolina, uh, North Carolina, North California Republic Army. Um, it's just like all of the different fallout. We've got factions in Florida. People are coming from all of the because Florida's huge. You know, every state in America is pretty big. Oh, it's got so Miami have... and it's got Disneyland. And you don't normally picture those things side by side. Nope, you do not. Um, you know, because Miami's like where all the bachelors go to party, and Disneyland's where all the kids go to party. So it's like, It'd be nice if you could like drop off your kids different. at Disneyland, and the parents go to Miami. Go to Miami. That would be ideal. <laughs> that would be ideal. Yeah. But anyway, it's like airsoft. In there's the prison game that MIR puts on. That's in South Florida, and then there's, you know, like Milsim West will come down here occasionally. Um, I think TCA might be coming. Third Coast Airsoft. The event company that I work with, Striker, um, Striker Airsoft, they've done a lot of events. He's going up to GTI pretty soon, Government Training Institute, up in Barnwell, South Carolina. So it's like there's tons of like a thing for a lot of people that um, that can do in America that a lot of people can't do in other countries. Is we can go to old military facilities. Oh yeah, um, I, I see. That's very popular for you guys. We can go to old military facilities. So there's a lot of government training facilities. There's a lot of abandoned bases, um, uh, installments. Like, I mean, like when we see an abandoned, like airsofters are the weirdest people in the world for that. We see an abandoned hospital or warehouse, and we're like, yes, let's go there. There's probably tetanus problems. There's probably vermin infestation. I want to go play in that building with my friends. Whereas normal people look at it and like, I think that thing's going to collapse soon. Maybe we shouldn't pound it. Like, we're just the weirdest people for that in America. We like, we see abandoned buildings. We're like, we're going to play there. Like, there's a mall. There's a subway abandoned. We go play there. Like, it's abandoned. It's built up. Because it's like, it's cod brain is what I call it. Basically. Where we've played yeah. Call of Duty missions. And we're like, yo, I want to go play in a subway. Or you've seen John Wick, and you're like, I want to go do that in a subway. That's just like watching action movies of Airsoft is seeing something yes. in an action movie and then bringing it to life. And I'm guilty yes, of that. That's is. that's what I do all the time oh, with yeah. Airsoft. That's why I play. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, I saw a movie and I want to emulate it. That's it. Yes, that is very true. And so there's like I my number one cosplay that I want to do. I need to get in a little better shape for it. Is I want to do a Deadpool cosplay. No, like comic. like a, a white suburban child doing a Deadpool cosplay. Like you must be the first person to ever consider this. Like I don't think what has been done before. Like no, everyone no, no, is no, going to just do... congratulate you on your originality. No, but I want to do a screen, not a screen. And you can like go to like do... conventions and annoy people, and everyone will think you're funny. 
Yeah, no, I don't want to do a screen accurate one because I love Ryan, what Ryan Reynolds did with Deadpool. He was amazing. But I like the comic Deadpool portrayal a lot better. Also, 1911s are way lighter than Deagles. Yeah. Um, and we're just, you know, so I'd rather have Deagle like 1911s in thigh holsters walking around. Are his than guns being author or are they his swords? I don't remember. So he's got he's got swords on the back, and then he's got thigh holsters, I know, made of Hydex or leather. I'm thinking about the names of them. Which, which one is B and which one is Arthur? I think the 1911s are B and Arthur, because they're named after the Golden yes, Girls. But it might be yes. the katanas. I'm not sure. Maybe the katanas, because I, I don't I don't know. I feel a real Deadpool fan should know this. I'm disappointed. I'm not a real Deadpool fan. Apparently. I guess not. I, I I failed you. I know. I want to do my number one cosplay though is probably Keanu Reeves in the Matrix. I thought you going to um, say Keanu Reeves in Point Break. That would be, that would be cool. That would be pretty cool. You've That'd got the hair cool. for no, it. Keanu... Actually, you don't even need to change the hair. Like your current hair <laughs> is perfect. You just need to say "whoa" a lot. You're fine. Get a surfboard and yeah. I, you're already wearing a hoodie. You're basically in a Point Break <laughs> cosplay at the moment. <laughs> No, I want to do the the Matrix scene where he opens the where he opens this trench coat and the dude's just like, holy shit! Like I want to have the scorpions, the MP5Ks, the Berettas, and it's just like, I think I'll have to stick to Berettas for now. I think he's got like, but, you know, he gets an M3 from from someone else. He doesn't have it on him, but yeah, I feel no. like that would be a very difficult jacket to make because I feel that Jack would need a lot of reinforcement. Otherwise, it's just going to sag, and you're just going to, like, walk in. Well, the jacket's not holding all the guns. He's just got a oh, bunch of guns right. strapped he, to his body. He's got the, uh, the rigging. Yeah, 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 yeah. Otherwise. He's got all the rigging. And I'm wondering, I want to, like, I've been looking into behind-the-scenes videos and all that, and I cannot figure out how they did the rigging for that. I'm really curious. Well, they would have just, That's like... That's the fun... That's part of the fun of cosplay, honestly, is that you've got to figure it out yourself. How did they do that? How did they make this work? Like, I've seen good Captain America cosplays, and most of the time, they're not screen accurate or comic accurate. They are taking multiple ideas, melding them into one and making your... That's what cosplay is about, is looking at something that you see, and you're like, I like that, I want to make that, and then you make it your own. That is what cosplay and LARPing is all about. Because cosplay is more of, I'm going to throw on a costume, I'm going to look cool. LARPing is like, I'm going to throw on a costume, I'm going to look cool, and I'm going to go do it with a bunch of other people in character. Well, that and I'm going to hit someone. Yeah. I, I'm going to use this for combat. I'm going to use this for combat, which completely changes um, LARPing. LARPing is a lot more intensive cosplay because, like, cosplay can be... Like, you would not LARP in an anime cosplay, um, you know, because you can't move like that in an anime cosplay versus most LARPs are based off of video game characters like Laura Croft. I've seen Laura Croft LARP, Indiana Jones LARP, uh infinite star wars larp and it's like those are based on actual moon batman i've seen a batman larp in airsoft and uh that guy isn't very popular because he he can't call his hits yeah except auditorily except auditorily so he he usually shows up he plays he, he can't move his like neck left and right he just has to turn with his whole body he's just like yeah he's like uh it's like backing out of the driveway with a with that like a neck brace on you're like I see someone over there, but it, I think cosplayers and LARPers should, like, cosplayers should go to conventions, LARPers should play together, 
and then like I don't, I don't believe in segregationist airsoft like you know you can only play with your one type of airsoft but at the same time it's a good thing for larpers to be together because larpers understand when you don't call your hit because you've got like 50 pounds of gear on you know so it's just and also they can hit each other with swords and stuff like that so exactly yeah, I do enjoy um, some new versions of airsoft that I've been seeing so I've seen like some Americans like doing airsoft where they're allowed to use knives and they'll do like uh, yes. just like a knife battle where it's just like one on one and it looks like the the final scene of Under Siege where you have um, uh, it does what is it it's Tommy Lee Jones versus uh, Steven Seagal and a, a great battle of the ages but yeah they have their little knife fight and when you see uh, Americans doing the same thing, it's great because it looks fun, and I would like to do that too. But in are, Japan, is there contact allowed in Japan or no? It's no. just completely off limits. It, uh, no knives are allowed at all, so you can't even have knives on your uh, on your equipment, on your belt. Interesting. You can't affix bayonets. Uh, you can't have any knives or fake knives or blades. Uh, so you can't like put. You can't use anime guns because, like, some there'll be like some anime guns where it'll be like a, like a a Mac Ten or something that has like a dagger integrated into the muzzle device, and mm -hmm. it's all three D printed and stuff like that. But it's fine to display, but you can't play with it. Yeah, you know it's, that's hard it's Japan. because like, no one gets injured because it's Japan. It's Japan. It's Japan. Yeah, in America, injury. Yeah. I mean, like I've seen videos, and like as a ref now, I cringe. I'm like dude fell three stories as a sniper and he landed on his head like kind of like this on the ground and he had a helmet on so he had a mild concussion he was fine but you know you'll hear and there's a lot of youtube commentators who are ex-military who will commentate on this so like yeah you're gonna get hurt you're simulating combat and in old like like i said in abandoned warehouses and old hospitals there's just tons of stuff around you'll there you'll hit yourself on stuff yeah well, it's like, have you, you've played indoor CQB and like most in America, most of it's plywood. So like I have played indoor CQB, banged up against a wall and almost knocked it over. Oh yeah. I've Like I've, doing a corner. I've wrecked walls. I knock over barricades a lot just because I'm so big and they're not designed for me. Like they'll, they'll stop at like at your height. Um, but I'm five, six. So mm, I, that's like my, how big my daughter is. Like it's nothing to brag about. <laughs> okay man so like my I, my worst one is I've <laughs> I've gone through a wall and I've gone through I've broken a window but uh, they were both abandoned buildings so it's it's fine yeah and you know the other windows were broken so. <laughs> yeah but yeah you will get injured I've my worst injury I've sprained my ankle and I've broken my hand just completely shattered it so I broke all of this bone, this bone, this bone, this bone, this bone here, and it was just, it was bad. Man, and it was that the, does it, not sound because I've I've like most of my injuries are not like external; <laughs> they're more internal, like dehydration. Like I have shame. Um, de <laughs> mostly dehydration. It's like um, when I did dehydration, I was putting my first milsim. I was on command, and I ran a very, a considerable distance with about. 40-ish pounds of gear on me. And I made it, and then we held down a point. Wait, why are you running with was... 20 kilos of gear? Because it's a mil sim. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That's what you do. 
Um, and so it was like, I got there, we held down whatever we were doing. And then I walked back and it was sometime towards the end of the day, I had all my gear off. I sat down and then I just collapsed. Like my body was just like, uh, vector.exe has stopped working and needs to reboot. So I just I just laid there on the ground where I was on the way to get my helmet in the middle of the field and I was just like, uh, uh, and then I got up and kept moving. But it was like hydration is number one issue for us in America because a lot of places don't have AC. It's not as cool. It's warm or it's really cold and you're pushing hard because it's cold. Um, and so you get dehydrated faster. So that's like a big issue here is dehydration. Yeah, I like when. I'm watching some uh, American mill sims. They have a a rule on uh, revives. So the, the medic has to give you a 500 milliliter bottle of water. And I, I guess that's like 40 ounces or something like that. I don't know your measurement system. And then you have to drink the entire bottle of water before you can get up, which is great because it takes like, you know, a minute or so to drink it. But it also means that medic has to carry like three or four extra kilos because you know, water's heavy and you can't carry an unlimited revive. So it's a really interesting system. I feel like I should talk to him because, um, uh, well, the event company I work with, Striker, should talk to my boss about that because I think he, that's the main issue is we've had people fall from dehydration. Some people are, who play it a lot are good, but like the newer players, he's focused on getting new players into Milsim. It's just do this. Level. They have to finish a regular they have Coke to finish bottle. A water bottle before. Yeah, finish yeah, a water bottle. That would be a great idea. That's and a great idea. It's hard because you'll get shot while doing it too. Like you're trying to drink and you get shot. Great. You try to drink. Yeah, that would be fun. I think that's a good idea. Like tourniquet, like apply a tourniquet so you, you have an indicator that you've been revived, but you have to drink water before you can up. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And then it just, it changes the dynamic because you don't get unlimited revives and stuff like that. You can have as many revives as you want, but then you physically have to carry all the water. So, you know, it, it introduces logistics into the argument. All right, uh, next one. Let's have a look at uh, brand loyalty. So I know you have a uh, interesting uh, opinion on brand loyalty. Do you think brand loyalty is good or is it detrimental to players? I think it's very detrimental. Um, so I'm not gonna. I'm not here to uh, say one brand is better than the other. That's not my goal here. My, my goal is to spread awareness to the fact that. Some brands have higher quality than others. You get what you pay for most of the time in Airsoft. Yeah, basically. Um, so, you know, if you're paying, and this really comes into the upgrade realm, not so much the base replica realm. Um, because when we talk about later, like when we talk about like what's a good base gun and all that, I have opinions on that. And, you know. An American with opinions, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've Never yeah. met these. <laughs> yeah, I've never met one of those before. It's not yeah. like they exist on Twitter and every no, but it's like um, with it when it comes to internal upgrades, an inner barrel that is at six point oh one or six point oh three, if it is polished, it will pr provide good performance no matter what brand it is in. No matter what brand it's in, yes, it might have higher quality materials, it might not um wear down from BB travel as quickly. But at the end of the day, it is going to provide the same amount of accuracy. It's just how long does it provide that accuracy? So what you're paying for when you pay for a, a, a lilacs is you're paying for good steel and precision. Whereas if you pay for an angel custom, you're paying for the inner barrel, not the, the longevity of it. 
So I was on a Discord call last night with some friends who were helping me build out a high kappa, and they are squabbling over should I have a 6.1 or a 6.3 or a 6.01 or 6.03 or a 6.00, and I'm just like, it's an inner barrel. 6.01, 6.03, you don't need 6.00. It's just not a good idea. It jams too easily. BBs don't always travel if they're not in correct shape. So it's just like, I feel like parts compatibility is also a big thing um, too with brand loyalty because like I have a SIG. I have a SIG SAR by VSC. And it has no parts available. It has an inner barrel by Lilacs, and it has an outer barrel by Lilacs, and it can take VSR10 hop-up buckets and some springs. That's it. I can't HPA tap it. Um, I can't, you know, it's incredibly hard to put a tracer unit on it. I don't have slides, grid modules, none of that. So it's like when you get into the upgrading realm, which I'm starting to do, but I realized... you know that when, when you bought the SIG? Because no, there's no, no I, aftermarket I parts... For it, like it's there are it's some, a brand new gun that like just came out. It came out a couple of years ago. It came out like five years ago though. It's not brand new. Wait, which one? I was thinking about the like Sig the Sig P320. Okay, oh pistol. that. Oh sorry, I thought you were yeah. talking about the the MCX. No, not the MCX. No, it's a pistol. It's a blowback pistol, and it's just like I is feel like you the, should. Is that the CO2 one? Um, it's CO2 and green gas. So it's the... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I know that one. Mayday's got that. Um, yeah. It's the Sig Sawyer one. Yeah, so that's the one that's officially licensed by Sig Sawyer. It's not the um, the Marui one, right? Because Marui also no, has... No, it's not a... the P226. Yeah, because Marui has that one. Yes. But the hard part about it is it's got no parts compatibility whatsoever. It's got, like, you can buy a flat trigger from a company. Like, as an American, I can buy a trigger from, you know six millimeter BB shop and have it shipped for 20 bucks. Or I can buy a site plate and have it shipped for 20, 30 bucks. So it's like in America, the only guns that are really worth buying, unfortunately, are a V2 or V3, a Tokyo Marie high kappa system, G series system, or an AAPO one for pistols. What about Glocks? Glocks have, Glock 17s have all the parts. Like, a Tokyo that's a, Marui. That's a G series. That's a G series. Oh, it's your G series. Okay. I thought that's G, G series. series. You're talking about like the the G three series no. of HK. No, SMGs. that would be HKs. Don't really have MP fives. Have the best magazine compatibility as far as SMGs go. Then you get into the G and G ARP nine, and there's a lot of magazine compatibility there. But it's just like I, my my thing is like focus on magazine compatibility. If it takes an M four magazine or an AK mag, you're usually good. If it takes an MP5 mag or an ARP9 mag, you're usually good. If it takes a Glock mag or a high kappa mag, you're usually good. Outside of that realm, you're going to be hard-pressed to find any parts or upgrades for anything. Unless it's like an M249 or like an established... Even, even then, like, I've, I've got my M249, the only add-on, like, I found for it, one was the uh, the zombie chainsaw kit. So I was able to put the, the upper handguard and the trigger on the back so you can hold, like, a chainsaw, which is cool. And like an a, uh, I mean, and then there's of course, of course, when you stick with the magazine compatibility. Like I wish there was an HPA tap for my pistol. There is not, and there is no way where the um the gas valve is to HPA tap it myself, because the HPA valve is or sorry the gas valve is not bottom of the mag like most Tokyo Marui. It's up near the nozzle, um, which some people love, but at the same time you cannot run an HPA nozzle into that by yourself. Oh, not no, everything sorry. needs to be HPA tapped, though. 
but it would be a very good HPA tap gun because it's modular. So I can take it apart. I can pull the trigger mechanism out. I can easily, it's got a rotary hop-up. It's a very good hop-up system too. I can change the hop-up. I can change the range very easily. I can put a CO2 mag for more power. I can take a green gas mag and run it in lower temps or higher temps. It's got great system compatibility. It's a great system overall. The design is really good. Trigger pull's great, but it doesn't have HPA tap. And it's like, I would run it as a speed soft gun because I'm starting to get into speed soft. I started out as a military, hey. I'm starting to get into speed soft, but I can't. That's my frustration is that I can't. There's no good internal upgrades for it to make it just a little better. And that's my, that's why I'm really preaching about parts compatibility. Yeah, well, basically with, with airsoft, it's, you don't just buy one gun. Like if, nope, if you, you look at my apartment, it, I have over 50 guns within arm's reach. So I've got 25 pistols, 25 rifles, give or take five on each because I never know where they all are. And mm -hmm. buy what, buy what you like. And buy what you like. That's it. And Absolutely. then if you, if you saw a G36 in a movie, you're like, hey, that Germany guy with the G36 is cool. And then you find out it's a G36K. Yeah, cool. You buy a G36K, you use it for a bit. Then you're like, oh, I, I want to upgrade a gun. Now, do you want to upgrade a gun that you have? Or do you want to make a really cool gun? Ask yes. yourself that question. Because upgrading guns, in my opinion, is a fruitless endeavor. It's really it's for, yeah. Um, the ROI on it, the cost performance is absolutely trash. Like that is you, true. you will not save money <laughs> from upgrading a gun. No, you will make no, it no. marginally better. But also if you just wait a few years, a gun that's going to be just as good as it will come out that's borderline stock. Yeah. And for me, um, one of my guns is worth about $2,000 American. Mm -hmm. It's 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And 15 years ago, it was shooting 65 uh, BBs a second on, on a 13-volt battery. What gun is this? It's an M4. <laughs> what gun? What miracle gun do you have? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's completely insane. Uh, it's a custom build by this shop called First uh, in Japan. Um, is it a it, DSG or TSG? No, it's it's still SSG. This is what? pre DSG. What? It's insane. Yeah. Wow. So when DSGs came out, uh, then people were shooting just as fast as as my miracle gun, but they they were doing it for like three hundred dollars, and just the tuning on this alone is a thousand dollars. And so it only... stood the test of time, but it cost a lot of money. Yes, and it was you know it's kind of like graphics cards. Like you'll have something. That's the absolute best. Now it's like a thousand dollars, and then next year something's going to come out that's eight hundred dollars, but it's twice as powerful. So, but but let's be honest. Like with weapons technology and airsoft technology, we really haven't advanced all that much inside the main sure, system. Yeah, HPA well, yeah, is HPA, very new to the scene. Yeah, HPA true because like DSG was new to the scene. Yeah, um, lipo batteries new to the scene. Mm. Even TSG new to the scene. But the core systems, there's only been improvements on the core systems. There's no new core systems that are popular, is what I'm saying. What do you mean by core systems? So, like, the core guns that you can upgrade that have most parts compatibility are the M4, the AK, the High Kappa, and the Glock. And then the AAPO one 
And then, of course, yeah. when you go into snipers, you've got the VSR-10 system. That that's yeah. that's that's pretty much it. That's it. And but, if yeah, if you want to build any custom gun, that's exactly how you should do it. Yeah. And there's different custom guns. You can do custom internals or custom externals. And if you want to do custom externals, you can 3D print anything you want. Yeah. And you can make a gun that looks like some anime gun mm -hmm. or something from the movies. That's why that's cool when too. I looked at the when the AAP01 came out and I saw what it was, I looked at that and I saw this is going to be the cosplay LARP gun. It is going to be the cosplay LARP gun because you can take the trigger mechanism out of it and put it in a new shell. You can take the upper outer barrel and run an outer barrel that stabilizes it's much longer. And so that is, I feel like, the de facto, you want to build a custom gun like that looks like something, 3D print a shell, put an AAP-1 in it, run a mag tap in it, HPA tap it, you could... I mean, you could self-contain an HPA tank in some, like, like sci-fi guns, like sci-fi gun shells. So you could run a self-contained gas blowback with HPA in it that's 3D printed or, like, you know, homemade. And I feel like the AAP-01, any gas blowback pistol is the foundation for a good, I feel like, is the foundation for a good cosplay gun, in my opinion. Because it's, it's a lot more, it's not as reliable as a, as a, um, sorry, as, like, an M4 AK platform. But you can do a lot more with it. There's a lot more. It's a smaller platform to deal with overall. Then, you know, try to fit a V2 gearbox inside something that really, or V3 or V1, that doesn't really take V2, V3, V1. You could stick an AOP in there somewhere, maybe run a remag system, and then stick something in the remag system to give it the mag, you know, self-contained HPA inside a kit. It's just, it's infinite possibilities with pistols. Yeah, and a lot of people are coming out with like carbine kits and stuff like that yeah. at the moment. So yep. Yep. a lot of 3D printed carbine kits that are coming out that just completely change the look of the gun and give you these nice sci-fi guns. But yep. also I've played with 3D printed parts and I break them every game. I yep. can use them for like an hour or two and then by the end of the game, they're just shattered. Yep. So, well, I mean, uh, like the thing is, is if you're 3D printing an internal part, that's a, unless it's a slide, like a slide for HPA, maybe. But... At the, at the end of the day, with HPA, you're going to be using your gun more and more and more because you can use it more. Like, it's not a gas blowback. It's an HPA-tapped gun. So you're going to be running through way more reps. So, like, the parts wear down easier and, you know. It's like, yeah, Novrich just came out with an HPA, uh, HPA slide. Nice art. That yeah. is 3D printed for the SSP-18. And I've seen it. It is faster. But it does after, I mean, like, there's a guy who just ran it on full auto for, like, he just is like a full mag of full auto, like 150 every day. He just did uh, testing on it to kind of see. I think it took him two months before it broke down, just a 150 round mag every day. Um, Not great. That's not great. No. And like, I'm not ragging on Novrich. I have two Novrich guns and I love them. Um, they're not sold in Japan, so they have sold. no opinion. No, the SSR4, I feel like, is the best gun for beginners where you can buy an SSR4 because it's got. It's got a trigger response that rivals, that doesn't rival an HPA build, but it's right there with a good DSG build with a nymph. So if you get access LiPo where you are, get a, get a Novrish SS for one joule or 1.5 joules. Um, I'd like to run Speedsoft, put a stubby stock on it, get a bigger battery. Because I was playing Speedsoft. I was playing speed Speedsoft 3v3, 5v5, casual games. Um, and internal games and I was keeping up with everybody who had a polar star jack just fine same with pistols and like that's why I'm building a pistol now because I feel like a pistol is a much more maneuverable smaller package 
that you can run indoors with. And I never yeah, thought- in, Indoors pistols are the best, easily. Yeah, I, I never thought, when I started my airsoft journey about a year ago, um, when I finally had the money to play, I never thought I'd be saying, I want to play speedsoft because I started out of speedsoft arena, got ripped up by some polar star jacks. So I was like, I'm never doing that again. Here <laughs> I am you're the, Now you're the polar star jack off. I will not be a polar star jack guy. I might get a fusion engine, but at the same time, I'm going to not use that for casual play. Because as a ref, you know, I see how much HPA discourages people from coming back to the field. Um, I don't know what just happened, sorry. But HPA discourages people from coming back to the field. There are times where I came to the field and I got double tapped at very close range with HPA. Yes, I know I'm signing up for that. But at the same time, HPA really discourages kids from coming back to the field, whether it's an AEG, it's a little, it, it just hits differently. Just a little bit differently. I know it's the same amount of jewels. I know that. But it feels different. It does. Like, if you get shot with an HPA, shooting 1.55 joules with the same BB weight, we've done side by side. You notice the HPA more. It's just more painful. Um, what it could be, it could be the, the accuracy or something like that. Because when you get shot in the same point, it seems to hurt more. So... It could be the speed of the trigger that the uh, HPA allows. Normally, when you use uh, HPA, you're able to do faster follow-up shots and you're able to double tap and triple tap quite efficiently. So instead of getting shot like here and here, you're getting shot here and here, and that second shot uh, creates more pain. So it could be something like that. But again, I don't know because I don't use HPA. Yeah, no, but, I've, but like HPA provides better performance at a cheaper yeah. price overall. Toss an HPA unit in your gun, like a fusion engine, a jack, or a Risa, depending on what you want to do. You're going to get better performance right out of the gate than you ever will in a regular gearbox. And that's why I'm pursuing HPA, because I have seen in an outdoor and indoor setting where it is infinitely better than stock AEGs. Like, if you have a stock AEG, you don't like it. Put a better inner barrel in it, put a better hop-up in it, put a... Put a better motor in it. But yeah, but motors are so expensive. They're oh, so no, like a, it's forty dollars. Uh. I I know, but like if you're gonna if you're gonna spend forty bucks on one part, why not spend, you know, four hundred fifty bucks on one part that will increase your trigger response, your rate of fire, all of that, or your range, or be able to adjust your range on the fly, or you know, be able to go from speed QB to outdoors in literal seconds. It's the flexibility that I love, that a lot of people I know love about HPA, is the flexibility of it. Yeah, like, I'd use it if we had it in Japan, but we're not allowed to use it, so... You're not allowed to use HPA in Japan? Really? Why? Um, I've heard different things from different people. I think the other part is to do with the uh, non-fixed jewels. So if you have an AEG, the jewels are fixed by the spring. And the gun in Japan, we legally can't have guns over one jewel. If it's over one jewel, it's a firearm and you can be taken to jail. So if you have a gun that's, you know, 0.9 jewels, you're absolutely good. But if you're running it uh, via air or something like that, your chrono test is pointless because you can chrono it at, at one jewel and then you can increase the airflow, put it at three jewels and play with that. So that's... And because of our legal system, there's no way to prove what level the gun is actually at. So you can't say it's a one-jewel gun or a two-jewel gun because it's variable. So I think the vari the variability of HPA and 
people thinking it's flammable are the two reasons they're not allowed to use it. But I'm sure I'm sure every field has their own reason, but we're allowed to use it for paintball. So when we play paintball, we can use it, but we can't use it for airsoft. So there's that. Well, it's like there's some fields that are actively striking out against HBA. Um, like I know some fields in uh, Florida, like Miami Airsoft, which is a quite popular one, except for Speed QB, you cannot use HBA in the chart, in the field. You're not allowed to use it. And other fields are very heavily restricting HBA use because of the fact that you are capable of being very abusive with it. And I've seen both sides of the argument. I've seen people who use a Polar Star Jack to get more range quickly. But on the other side, I see people who use a Polar Star Jack to go A10 sort of feel on a rental. And that's the that's the part that everybody talks about is the negative part. Like as a ref, I see all the negatives and I see all the positives. So I see a lot of positive interactions, people trading shots, people taking hits, you know. But at the same time, I see the negatives too. So it's just like, and like running as a command staff, I didn't really talk about that. I saw a lot of HPA abuse at Millsims um, with high RPS and LMGs. And they'd run it at 70 RPS um, at, at just under two joules with heavy BBs. And so this is a new event for beginners. And they'll run into a bush and then you'll hear, and then you'll, you'll watch a kid run out almost in tears because he was right on the edge of that guy's MED. So I feel for the, as a newer player, I feel for the new players. And as a, but as a somewhat experienced player, I also see you paid for that. You earned that. You worked for that and you want to uh, use his it. His team should have taken better care of him or his friends should have taken better care of him <laughs> or he, he should have, he should have been in cover. <laughs> it's what he should well, have been. He was in cover. He was running to cover and he got lit up, which is part of the game. It is it part is. of the game. But you're supposed to feather the trigger when you're using an LMG in America. So you're supposed to do short burst. He got, he just got mowed. He got mowed down. <laughs> he got hit in the same. I saw it was like a little, like right here on his chest. There's a little, <laughs> like a little, like it looked like a shotgun hit him. <laughs> it was a very tight grouping. And I had to talk to that guy. I was like, you got to feather the trigger. You got to like very, short. very nice in a barrel, like grouping. Mwah. Yes, Chef's kiss. it was a great grouping. It was a very nice grouping. <laughs> but I was on like, a moving target too. That's that's impressive. Yeah, it was a very good grouping. He had excellent tracking. He's he's ex military, so he knows what he's doing. But I was like, you gotta. I understand your training and what you've been trained to do, but please just do three to five second bursts when you're shooting at people. Three to five second bursts. So five yeah. seconds at seventy rounds a second. 7, 14, 21, 28, 35. That's 350 BBs he's allowed to hit someone with. But we're also dropping RPS to 30. RPS 30 is max now. Oh. So, yeah. Oh. I think we're getting it. I'm trying to. Lame. I'm trying, I know. I'm trying to push it so that the RPS is realistic to the RPM of the replica, but that's really complicated to police. Well, well yeah. Basically, you can say well, that the. LMGs can have a high rate of fire. You can say LMGs can be 50 or 60, and you can re restrict rifles to, you know, 30 or so. Yeah. That's fine, because or stock is like about LMGs, 18. And, like, SMGs, I feel like, should have a way higher RPS than an yeah, LMG. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. It's not going to be fun, but at least it's a lower. It's a lower. Uh, it's at one jewel to go full well, auto. I, I, I would actually really enjoy that. So, like, for me, my ideal, like, airsoft rules would be uh, you can use uh, a pistol at one joule, 
uh, with no MED. You can use SMG uh, no MED at one joule with double or triple FBS. So they start at 18. So taking that up to about 40 or 50 would be quite fun. And then with all of your uh, rifles, you can run your rifle at, you know, two joules or three joules, whatever you want. But it's only going to be in semi because you basically never use full auto if you've got an M4. And then, you know, designated marksman stays the same and um, uh, bolt action stays the same. And I think if you could play those rules, that, that would be really fun. Because when you have the M4 that does everything, the, the 90, uh, it'll shoot like 90 rounds per second. It will go, you know, 100 meters. Uh, it has 500 or 5,000 BBs in the mag. It's like, well, it does every gun. So it, it's it's nicer to have a specialization. Yep. And I'm and I'm not on the forefront, but I'm trying to work with people to get a Milsim Association started in the U.S. Um, to get stuff standardized. So when you go to a different state, because this is an issue too, you'll come from one state to another, and you will not know the... Um, the jewel stuff and it's just like yeah you're you're um yeah well well yeah talk to um my friend barrage uh about that so he's like on the board of um airsoft for belgium and he's you know big up in all that airsoft stuff and he's trying to create some standardization at the moment for standardization of rules and stuff like that so Hit him up, and maybe there's something you can help out with. Um, he's the he's married to Skinny Bitch. She's like one of the world's most famous airsofters. So they're they're a nice airsoft power couple. But yeah, if you're looking at standardizing stuff, talk to him about it because he uh, he's all about standardizing stuff too. All right, man. So next question: You've been playing airsoft for about like half your life now, because you started like when you were like eleven, right? And now you're like nineteen. So you've spent half your life playing airsoft. As someone that's been playing airsoft for such a long time, you have a unique perspective because you know about the young players, but you also know about experienced players. So what's something that we can do to stop airsoft from dying out? How can we protect our sport for the next generation? Um, well, obviously, I think the the um the biggest part of that is keeping players on the field starts at the player, not the ref. Um, as a ref, you try to do that. It starts at the player. It starts at it's it starts at the player's attitude of your attitude towards what you're coming in towards that sort of thing. So, like, if I'm coming in to have a good time, that's going to reflect. If I'm coming in to um not let anybody else have a good time. And I only want to have a good time. That's going to reflect on the game style and the gameplay. So I feel like everybody, everybody just needs to work on, you know. And this goes for me, a hundred percent. I need to work on not being as aggressive when I'm playing with new people. Like, you know, maybe moderate your experience level to fit the feel. You know, so like I was playing Wednesday last Wednesday. Um, and I was, I, there was some rentals who wanted to play against some more experienced players. So me and a few guys got on. I borrowed a guy's pistol, and I was having a great time. I was one ball. I would, uh, I would one ball a few people, and then I let them kill me, and I'd walk back, and then I'd let them take the objective, and then I'd take it back. I keep the flow of the gameplay easy, you know, less 
less about me having a good time and more about these guys paid money to come play with their friends and work as a team and they asked for a few experienced players so this isn't about me right now this isn't about me this is about the fact that the ref recognized that I can moderate myself so I'm going to moderate myself in the gameplay and let other people because it's not just about me having a good time it's about everybody having a good time so I think remembering that you're not the only person who paid to have a good time today would be a great place to start and then taking younger players under your wing so there's a guy at my field he's a little he's a little he's a little dude um and I look and I would say I look out for him but I do in a sense like whenever there's a new player well, a few he's that small you have to look out for him you don't want to trip over him yeah exactly but like at Wasteland Ops, the field that I play at, um, there's a lot of kids. There's a lot of younger players, and I try to, whenever there's new rentals, especially, who are, like, there for a birthday party, I will drop my ref vest, and I will get on gear, and I will run with them for at least a game to make sure that they have a good time. And I feel like intentionality and cultivating good experiences for younger players, because, you know, they're only, like, I don't remember where I heard this, but like they're only one bad day away from just going back to Call of Duty. I've heard a lot of people say of that. Like, I think that might be like a ref thing. Cause I've had other refs on the show. They've said the same thing. So maybe it's like they're only one bad day. They're only one bad hit. They're only one nasty injury from carelessness on someone else's part or their part from just being like, you know what? I don't want to be physically active and do this. I just want to sit in front of my TV and play around with the controller and spam racial slurs at other people. Oh, that sounds know? fantastic. Now, it does now sound you got me wanting to go back to Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't played Call of Duty since Black Ops on PS4. Which on one? PS4. Oh, wow. Black so Ops, Black Ops 3, then? 3, yeah. Black Ops 3 was the last one I played. I got a yeah. double prestige the, in the... that, and then I, I was done. Like, getting a prestige in your 30s is hard. Because we have jobs, we have friends, we have kids, we have mortgage payments, and it's really hard to get a prestige and spend two to three hours a night playing COD. Like when I was in high school and uni, it was no problem. But as a member of society, God, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like I work a job, I am an active worker, uh, and I actively play airsoft. And so, like, balancing juggling that is hard as an adult wait till you get but married kid, wait till you have kids oh wait till God. you have responsibilities at your job wait until <laughs> you lose but your it's... metabolism that's gonna kick your ass oh man that sounds you... awful that and your like... hair you'll lose the metabolism first then you'll lose the hair yeah but it's like since i've been playing since i was 11 i only got to play once or so, like, I got to play at birthday parties, and I'd play once, about once a year, until I turned 18. I played about once a year, and I played at the same place. I played at Nashville Airsoft, and um, I was a rental, and there's, I, I really see a destroying rental culture in, not specifically Nashville Airsoft, but in most indoor fields that I've been to, there is a, we are going to, and yes, rentals are going to have a lot of skill gap. Like, you know how there's skill gap. There's a big skill gap. They are going to get destroyed because they don't know to use cover. They don't know to peek corners. Like, if you're peeking the corner, we like, as experienced players, we only show the minimal amount of our bodies we can. We will angle our bodies. So we're still presenting our whole body as a target, but it's the smallest target possible. 
we know this stuff because we're experienced. And so that's what I'm talking about. Like when we're keeping players in the sport, take a second. The kid who's getting shot because he's rushing the objective at the same point every single time, tell him, hey, buddy, there's a there's a path around. Go around, flank him. Like, you know, in a video game, flank him. You know, like in video games, you don't really think about presenting your body because when you're ADSing, you cannot control your ADS. Like when you're ADSing in a video game, you cannot control how much of your body is shot. Oh, in Siege. You can. You can siege. Yeah. And siege players, siege players are some of the best speed softers I have ever seen. Yeah, the, the, the way they like, they, they can't the gun. They can't? Decant? I'm not sure what the verb is. Yeah. Well, it's, they can't. So basically, like, I'll see speed softers, and you'll see them, and there's some speed softers who are just really good at snap shooting, and then there's other speed softers who are slow, steady, and methodical. Those are siege players. Those are definitely, most of the time, siege players. And you'll, I've asked them, and I'm like, do you play Siege? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, so that's where you get a lot of your tactics from. They're like, yeah. And they work. Siege tactics work in Casual Airsoft. They work in Speedsoft. And they really work Dude, in Tactics Nielsa. work in general. If you can do tactics something in, in a video game, and video games and Airsoft are basically the same thing when you look at analyzing human behavior. Because yes. all, all of these games are the same thing. It's a problem. It's all problem-solving. And the base problem you're trying to do is predict human behavior. If you can yes. predict and anticipate, I guess they mean the same thing, uh, human behavior correctly, and you're like, well, if I do this, he's going to do that. And if he does that, I'll do this. It's exactly the same thing for COD. It's exactly the same thing for Siege. It's exactly the same for Airsoft, for Speedsoft. You just need to predict what humans are going to do and then shoot them. Well, yep. But like that's the thing where um, there's this thing with the U.S. military as is called the Oda loop. And it's basically your decision-making process. And so as knowing what that is, indoors, outdoors, it's helpful in close quarters. But outdoors, you can see people's movements from a distance unless you're crawling. And you can so dodge babies outdoors too. Yes. So Oda loop is not as important indoor, outdoors as it is in. So when I'm indoors, like Wednesday, I have a play a pouch on my chest rig where I usually put a speed loader, um, like an Odin. Nope, I'm putting a speaker in there, and I am blasting music. And I will rip that pouch off, set it down at position, and flake around, because they will expect me to be where the speaker is. Dude, that that is brilliant. I have to tell my friend uh, Giotto Tactical about that because he always runs around with a speaker and just providing like theme music for everyone. But to use that tactically and then like to take that off so people still think you're somewhere, man, that is that that is brilliant. I approve of that and I'm gonna steal that technique. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So I just like I was like, well, it, it kind of functions off the idea of, like what I got from a video game. I was like, I'm not gonna throw my speaker like a decoy grenade, but if it but I took it out of the pouch a couple times and set it down on the ground and nobody came that way. But as soon as I started taking the pouch off and leaving it at a like a defendable point, it's still muffled like it's inside my pouch. So they assume that I am there. And I'm enough of a character when I play. When I'm indoors, I am meme-softing. I am meme-softing. That's kind of a, a genre of airsoft now. So you're borderline Deadpool. Great. Yeah, Deadpool personality sort of thing. Like, uh, for the Emperor! Or like, I'll get like people chanting like, uh, what was it from uh, Black Panther? It's like Ibombay, Ibom. Like I've done, I've gotten yeah. people to do that. I, I don't think you're Never allowed. You're not allowed to say that. 
What? <laughs> All right, man. So some people say dry fire in the house. Other people are very anti-dry fire in the house. What do you think? Should we dry fire our pistols? I think there's nothing wrong with dry firing our pistols. However, depending on what you're using in your pistol, like I would never dry fire a CO2 pistol because dry firing a CO2 pistol is bad for it um, because it's a much higher pressure from CO2 cartridge versus green gas or H134. Um, H134 is much lower pressures. There's less tolerances involved in those guns. I also don't like CO2 mags. That's just an opinion of mine, but, but CO2 definitely does wear down on internals a lot more. Um, than regular uh, green gas. But another thing I don't like is cross mag compatibility in guns. Guns that are designed for green gas having CO2 mags. I have two guns that can take both green gas and CO2 mags. Green gas will tear up their internal, or sorry, CO2 will tear up their internals very quickly. Um, so like my CO2 mag and my SIG M17 blew out the seal in the blowback unit. That's a $30 part, so I have to get a new blowback unit. That was not pleasant. Um, my Novich SSP-18 also has CO2 max. And if you're not running it in the correct um, region, like you're just trying to get more power out of your pistol in a warmer place, you will blow out your blowback unit with CO2 very quickly. In the state I live in, Florida, um, you blow out your blowback unit in an SSP-18, an SSP-1, any gun that runs CO2 in a hotter temperature, you're going to blow out. And so that runs into dry firing. Are you in a warm climate? Because, you know, the hotter the climate is, the more pressure the gas is going to be. The higher the altitude is, the lower the pressure is going to be. So it's a unique situation for everybody. Generally, I'd say go for it. If it's green gas, go for it. Just don't do it all the time. And maybe don't leave that louder that makes your gun really fun in the arena on your replica. Because with a loudener in America, it can sound similar to a 22, um, which is a small caliber. And that can bring the police involved. So just general rule of thumb, don't dry fire near windows that's a bad idea dry fire in closed space away from windows where it's quiet where it's not quiet where stuff will echo so it just depends on if there's echo will this attract the attention of neighbors do you have neighbors to worry about do your neighbors like you generally it's yeah do your neighbors like you do they know that you play airsoft because if they know that you play airsoft and you say text hey i'm gonna do this real quick and you guys sleeping you know be courteous be kind because you're making a lot of noise that's why you use a silencer. Duh. You, airsoft silencers aren't <laughs> worth squats. Let's be honest. They're not worth squat. Unless it's a Mark 23 non-blowback, they don't do anything. Yeah. that That's how the joke worked. That was, <laughs> that was the premise of the joke. But foam inserts on an HPA gun... Um, actually do do something. So like you're seeing Minnesota Airsoft put out Gem 4 uh, Phantom suppressors with HPA guns. They're very quiet. Um, there's a company that I work alongside sometimes at events called RC Airsoft. They're taking the... Um, RC cars and putting guns on them? No. Um, it's his name, RC. Okay. Ron something. Um, we call it RC Ron. Okay. And he has the... Asatech predator suppressors that have tracer units in them and he's putting foam inserts in them that are custom made for those and they do with HPA and pistols significantly reduce the noise signature if it's a closed if it's a closed system pistol if it's an AAP-01 <laughs> you'll get a little bit because all the gas is coming out the front and the back not in the chamber and the you know 
it's like a real suppressor in a way. Like if all the gas is coming out one direction, it'll be a lot quieter versus, you know, and like putting a suppressor on a, um, a AG makes zero sense to me because yes, all of the air is coming out one way, but most of the noise is coming from the mechanism inside your gun. Well, yeah, that's when... So you're not going to be able to reduce that noise signature. When you see like silent guns in Japan, the one that you see the most is the Steyr. And people will have like a old school Steyr, like an Org 1. Like a, like an Og. Well, yeah, the Og's all the way. But the where the gearbox is placed too. Because yeah. the gearbox is in the back of the gun. So that would help. I'd say. And then people, like, I don't know exactly how they do it, but it's to do with air seals and it's to do with foam. But you just see, yep. like, there's an absolute frap ton of foam uh, all through the internals of the gun. And then when people are firing it, it's like a VSR-10. It's just completely quiet. It's amazing. Yep. So, and that's another thing people don't realize. Like, that's the thing about America, is that America eschews the different. A lot of times. So you will see on fields M4s and AKs. That's really? pretty much it. Yeah. You'll see occasionally a FAMAS, occasionally a G36, MP5s and PCCs, that sort of style, like a that sort of style. Perfectly accepted. MP5s are still a um, version two gearbox. Yep. Version two. Um DMRs like a two V two point five is perfectly acceptable. Anything VSR ten is perfectly acceptable. But you stray outside M4s and you'll get weird looks. Like there's actual pressure to use an M4 in America because it's American. Yes. And then like people people who use AKs in America will get crap from people who don't use AKs. Like yeah, it's but a, that's it's the actual, whole M4 versus AK stuff. But for, for me, th this is more a, a problem of money. So I have, I think, four or five... AKs, I've got probably five to ten M4s. I don't know how many. I've got three in the shop at the moment that I'm getting customized. Um, if you can only afford one gun, sure, you can then... Get an M4. Then, Get an M4. Sure. Easily upgraded. But instead of arguing with people, M4's better or AK's better, just buy them both. It's fine. I'm going to get an AK event for fun, like, a, like an AK, maybe an AK SMG. Doesn't matter what you get. Get a PPK. I, get a Bison. Get a 74. Get one of the new 100 a, models that I can't remember the designation of. I'm going to say 104. 103, 105, and um, there's another one. Like I said, can't remember the designation. Don't care. They're all black and look the same. Well, I'm, I'm a major gun nerd, so the, the, the fact that I can recite those off is a major point of pride to me. So, like, I that's another see, thing I love AK-104. Let's see if it exists. I just made Probably. that up. AK-104, it exists. It's the carbine variant of the AK-103. Yep. So I wasn't only r right, I was technically right, which is the best form of being right. Yes, you're technically right. That's the best form of being right, absolutely. And that's that's the interesting... AKs are licensed in the US at all. That's another interesting thing. Pistols and M4s and, like, you know, the HK stuff is licensed. AKs, I've never seen a licensed HK. Or an AK. Because AKs don't need licensing. I've never seen a licensed Type 56. I've never seen a licensed... Type 56. What's a Type 56? That is the bullpup um, AK that the Chinese military uses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing. That's been upgraded to a new thing recently, right? Yep. Yeah. 
And then you something know, that you has see a, like an optics rail on it because the last one didn't have optics. Yep. Like you'll see Ogs occasionally. Occasionally, you'll see a Famas. Occasionally, you'll no, see an no F2 one wants to F2. see a Famas. Yes. No one. The Famases are just ugly. Let's just be honest. Sorry to Famas owners who love their guns, but no, they just don't. No apology to Famas owners. You know what you did. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like the FN two thousand. Have you seen that one? I have. I used that in Splinter Cell for a minute. Then, like, this is a word I'm not going to use anymore. So this this is bad. And then, yeah. um. I went to using something else. It's an ugly P90, and it knows what it is. It is. Yeah. It is. It's a lesser it P90. It... And a P90 is only cool because of Stargate. That's it. And I P90 love, is and I love Stargate, so I, I have two P... P90s. P90s are acceptable. Vectors are loved in America for some reason. That's actually where my name came from. So my name is Chris. No, wait, wait. So your name, Vector... Yes. It's not about geometry, because here I am thinking you're like some geometry nerd. You just love angles. Wait, <laughs> but you're an airsoft player that named themselves after an airsoft gun? After a real gun. And then I was like, oh, it's a, it's an airsoft gun. So, so it's not geometry. Crazy. No, it's not geometry. You can stop oh, gaslighting now. Homeschool. <laughs> oh, just this is going to be the whole selling point of all your videos. Idiot homeschooler talks about airsoft. Those it is now like that. Like that that's that, 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 that thumbnail writes itself. <laughs> um, no, I'm actually. Yeah, yeah. He he paid me to act dumb. <laughs> yes, says the homeschooled person. <laughs> See, actually, it's a great counter to everything. It it does, but in in America, homeschooling. What is did actually... you guys do for prom? Like. We didn't. I think. We I didn't. guess good. There's no way that that would have ended well. Yeah. Let's not. Let's not go down <laughs> that path. Okay. <laughs> um. But anyway, no. So the vector has always been my favorite gun. Um. And my name is Chris. So I was like, huh? Chris Vector. Chris Vector. Chris Famast. No. <laughs> no, the Famas is just an ugly gun. It's just the lines are off, and then, and I would love to see. You know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see more airsoft EM2s. I never see EM2s anywhere. What you is know, an... from like Call of Duty Cold War, it's it's a seven millimeter bullpup rifle that was going to be fielded by the British Army at the the cusp of the Cold War. But when oh, America, oh god, it... It, it's it's like a an ugly. Oh, uh, what it? What's the current gun called? That piece of trash, L eighty six. Yeah, it's like an it's, ugly L eighty six that's been yeah. like mutilated in Tarkov by someone putting a wood, uh, a wood handguard over the whole thing. Yep, and and that's another really cool that. thing. It's like, yeah, um, like you'll see, you'll see Garands in airsoft. Okay, wait, I, I see... take it back. I take it back. I saw one that has a bayonet on it and it's absolutely beautiful look at this isn't this the most beautiful thing ever can you see this yeah i can it's like an ak well the thing is is like the LEDs. the that is um look at the size it's got such a weird stock though what what is the size yeah the, it's it's got, a, it's got a 
but it makes up it's for it because this hand, this bayonet is fantastic. And it's so ugly, though, overall. Oh, oh it it's is, not a but, good but it just brings it all together with that bayonet. It's like the piece de la resistance. It's, it's yes, perfect. Yes, it does. If you have one without I a hand, really... you can only run that with a bayonet. I'm sorry. It's the only way to yeah, run that. I I would love to see... Something I'd love to see in Airsoft is I'd love to see a little more variety, though. So I'd love to see a little more... Like, I'd love to see more old guns that have parts compatibility. You know, like old... Dude, play like Airsoft Sten. in Japan. Like, my, literally, one of my teammates, Tama, was playing with a Sten in the last game. I shit you not. He was well, running there, a Sten. You see Stens. You see Stens. There's just no good way to upgrade the gearbox to give it, it a little more... It doesn't like, matter. Not a good it's a Sten. Well, yeah, it's a crap gun. But I mean, like, what about a what about an M3? What about an M3, like Grease Gun or a Thompson? That's not a, you know, like, I'd love to see an AG version of that that actually is fieldable in a what game, the... not just a, not just a fun gun, you know? They're old World War like, II guns. A, that, that... Like a PPSH, a PPSH that has a good RPS on it. Like, like you know, a PPSH can shoot 7,000 rounds in a minute, normally. It's got an incredibly hard, high yeah, rate of I, fire. Yeah, I used one in yeah. in, C, in uh, Call of Duty 2 and Call of Duty 1, I think. Like, it's the yeah. old, old school SMG. Like, it is... It's a it's it an Angry awesome. Beehive. Wait, yeah. was it called like, the Angry P Beehive or is it a different gun, the Angry Beehive? No, no the Angry Beehive is the 22 LMG that was never really rolled out. Yeah. But it's like, I feel like if we got more old guns, we get more gamers and we get more reenactors in the sport. Because yeah, there was a guy. There was a guy who was wearing a uh, a realistic, except for insignia, SS uniform. Or no, not SS Waffenton, or however you pronounce it in German. He was a German foot soldier, circa nineteen forty three. You get that um, a lot in Japan. We we get a lot. I'm not gonna say we get a lot of Nazis, but there are people in German military garb in that's lots what i of was games. trying to say without saying the the uh the the bannable word well you can say um, nazi 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 okay i just don't want you get demonetized um it just it's really hit or miss with airsoft content all right man thank you very much for joining us for the uh the podcast today uh for the last part of the podcast the uh the mic is yours so feel free to uh, yell out any of your teammates, any friends, any sponsors that you want to call out. The uh, the mic is yours. Um, well, I want to say thank you to Striker Airsoft for um, letting me ref Milsim. It's been great. Thank you for my, the Matt's Squared at Striker Airsoft. Thank you to Paul and Joe at Wasteland Ops for giving me a chance to ref there and really learn the ropes there. Um, thank you to Skipper for seeing me as a brand new Airsoft player in Milsim taking me under his wing and getting me onto a team. Um, and I, I thank you to all my, my old teammates in G-Unit um, for believing in me and letting me be part of something bigger than myself. And then thank you to my parents um, for fostering me in a way that made me love this sport so much. And teaching um, you. And teaching me how to uh, how to talk real good. Yep. <laughs> Homeschool. Yeah. Hostel. All right, Vector, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. It was, it's been nice uh, chatting about uh, uh, Airsoft and finding out about uh, Airsoft and uh, Florida, man. Nice. It's been a pleasure.
Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Hefe's Airsoft Solutions. Use code DEFRO10 at checkout.